Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Here today with ESPN's NBA front office insider Bobby Marks. We are going to get into Thursday's trade deadline, lead you through this week and start here in our first pod with the Eastern Conference. Before I get there, I want to remind you to check out The Low Post with Zach Lowe, The Hoop Collective with Brian Windhurst, and of course the new SVP pod hosted by Scott Van Pelt. Now let's get to trade deadline week here with ESPN's Bobby Marks. Bobby, welcome out of the Florida sun into the Connecticut cold. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I, uh, ready for trade deadline week. It's a tradition of ours to both come rolling in here right before the football game. I used to wait until the kickoff to get in my car and come up because I just knew nobody's making deals once that game starts. And I left a little bit earlier. We're here a little bit before kickoff, but here we go. So there's a rhythm to these trade deadlines, Bobby. You you know this. You've been a part. You were a part of a lot of them in New Jersey and then Brooklyn as part of the Nets front office and, and even here with us now at ESPN. And you sort of get like a, a deal or two late in the week sometimes. Maybe one sneaks through on Saturday and then Sunday it gets quiet. Sometimes, you know, the owners are all at Super Bowl parties. Hard to get the owners like once they start, you know, engaging on Super Bowl Sunday. So tougher to get the owners. I've always found that there's just not a lot of back and forth among teams. Some teams are traveling back from scouting on Saturday. But if there's not deals done by Sunday, typically now Monday morning, everybody comes in first thing in the morning and sort of resets their trade boards. What's out there? What do we prioritize? What do we expect? And and what do we want to get serious about and and then you start to see now the with Thursday looming people who are going to get serious about certain players that their own or somebody else's it's time to start doing that well you're right I mean when you look at it the all-star game used to be the barometer right the trade deadline used to be that Thursday after the all-star game now the all-star game is replaced with the Super Bowl so we've kind of have a little bit of a pause right now last year we had the Kristaps Porzingis trade um, a week before we had Rodney Hood got traded over the weekend to Portland, I think on Saturday, last sat- last year at Saturday. This year we've had five trades since Russell Westbrook was traded for Chris Paul back in July. Five regular season trades. Um, last year, I think we all got spoiled. There was 29 trades altogether. That's above the norm. Um, but you're right. When you get into that Monday, you already have an idea as far as kind of who the players are, who the teams that you have lined up. Rarely does something sneak up on you at 2 o'clock on, on Thursday. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. You mentioned a couple of the early ones, and you know, GM said to me this morning, like, there's something to be said. Sometimes you wait too long, and all of a sudden, you wait and you wait because you think you can get better, you think you can get, you can get better, and now it's like 1 o'clock on Thursday, and you're competing with, like, let's say, Milwaukee and Philly, who are serious about trying to win a championship, really improving themselves, and you go, I should have done something earlier. And look at, you mentioned Portland the last two years. The Rodney Hood deal for them really catapulted that team last year. And then at this trade, you know, last, I was in studio for NBA Countdown. It was two Saturdays ago, right, Bobby? Yep. They do the, essentially a salary dump with Sacramento, 
But Trevor Ariza comes back, and he's been tremendous for the Blazers. They've been on a roll, not largely Damian Lillard, but Ariza's been outstanding. And I think sometimes getting to a different environment for an established winning player like he's been is good form. That's been the case with Ariza. And by not waiting, Portland, you know, got some wins, got a run going. And, you know, sometimes like you keep thinking you're going to get a first and you better just take those two seconds that you have while they're out there. And I think so that that's a little bit the cat, the, the cat and mouse that's, that's out there. But, but let, let's start in the East at, at the very top of the conference, at the top of the league, Bobby, with Milwaukee. And I think there's a little bit of, you know, I think the term I've heard around there is a little bit risk averse. I mean, they've got a good thing going there and you've, you've got to be really careful with who you bring in, who you send out, because you don't want to look back and go, simply, what did we mess with this? Well, and that's the reason why Golden State never made a trade during that great run, um, you know, with Bob Myers there and, you know, the championship going to the finals five years in a row. And before they had made that Willie Cauley-Stein trade, they had made a trade since 2014. So even moving a guy who's like your 13th guy, your 14th guy, who might be a really good locker room, uh, could disrupt your chemistry there. And Milwaukee, you're right, they do have a good thing going. Uh, they do have that Indiana pick that they got from the Malcolm Brogdon trade, although they can't trade any of their own. They do have that out there that um, they can use if there's something that does make sense. Um, but it would be hard because, um, you know, that yes, they lost to uh, Denver um, within the last couple of days, but that team, that team is a juggernaut. I mean, they're going through, they're going through the East and they're not just beating team. They're, they're beating them by double digits. Yeah, and I think that Indiana pick that they have, the Brogdon pick, certainly has a lot of value. I think people, whether you look at like a Robert Covington or an Andre Iguodala, if Milwaukee wanted to do a deal for one of those players um, and and get the build up on contracts, I think that gets you in the ballpark. And those are, you know, the kind of players who they can come in and disruptive is not the word. They're not going to be disruptive. I don't mean that, but they're. They're players who you can imagine fitting into. I mean, all Iguodala's done is be a part of a championship run, and um, and you can sort of slow whoever brings Iguodala in. It's going to be you know a slow build up. You're just bringing them in for the playoffs, and you want them ready by then. And he'll have the runway to to play the regular season and do that if he gets traded next week. And we know Covington's Minnesota's talked to any number of teams or a lot of teams with interest in Covington. The question will be what's the price. And so I, I still think Milwaukee probably, if they do anything, maybe it's buyout market. Um, but they want to, they've got to win a championship. And, and especially with Giannis coming up on the ability this summer to sign an extension, the following summer, the ability to be a free agent. Like every decision you make, Bobby, is does this help us win a title this year? You're right. I mean, Although they do have the best record in the in the NBA, you you can't be content. It's not like you know John Horst or general manager is just going to take the battery out of his, his cell phone and disconnect it all week. But if he can get something, and you know, I mean, they've got you're right. You, you've got to figure out how you're going to stack the contracts. They've got that you know Erson Iliso who's been you know a good player for them, but it's got a non guaranteed for next year. Does that have appeal to teams? They have some of their younger players that has kind of been hit or miss. You know, DJ Wilson. Um, who's who's got another year left? So there is a way to do that if if that's the the direction they want to go. 
if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is their hodgepodge of business systems. They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a big, inefficient mess, taking up too much time and too many resources, and that hurts the bottom line. So introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash woj, W-O-J. That's netsuite.com slash woj to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash woj. Sport Clips Haircuts now has Amazon Alexa and Google Nest device online check-in. Enjoy features you already know from Sport Clips website and mobile app check-in, including checking wait times and choosing your favorite location. Keep your valuable time to yourself and get in line online before heading in for your next haircut. Sport Clips, you choose the cut, they cut the weight. And now you've got a Raptors team, Bobby. They've won 10 games in a row with all kinds of players in and out of their lineup uh, for different reasons. I mean, they are a solid second place in the Eastern Conference right now. And, you know, I thought before the season, Masai Ujiri might be faced with the idea of Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka are going to be free agents. Do we want to trade and get some value for them? And that is not a part of their thinking. They are if there's a deal that can make them better, I, I think Toronto feels like we're not afraid. We, we have a group that's not going to be afraid of anybody in the playoffs. Would love to get Pascal Siakam, more playoff experience. And when you look at the perspective in Toronto, the way they've been able to acquire players through uh, the draft, through undrafted players, and then also using their G League team, the idea of trading, let's say, a Gasol or an Ibaka to get the, I don't know, the 24th, the 28th, the 29th pick in the draft, it doesn't appeal to them. They've shown that they can go out and get players at any part of the draft. Siakam is an all-NBA player in his future. He's he's an all-star this year. He's a max player from the contract he negotiated. Last year's most improved player. They got him at the end of the first round. And Masai and his staff have shown, we'll just go find players. Terrence Davis this year, undrafted, um, helping them. And so uh, Fred Van Vliet, who is going to be a big free agent in the league this summer, undrafted, brought him in, developed him behind uh, Kyle Lowry. Now they play play together. So Toronto's mindset is very much like, let's keep, let's keep trying to win. We're, we're not taking a step back long-term. And uh, I, I think they've been one of the real interesting stories of the league. And, and I just think their week is going to be about like, let's try to make a run at the bucks here. You're right. I mean, there's, there's always that perception out there that when you have a lot of players on expiring contracts that you have to move them. Right. I mean, like, you know, certainly the season dictates that. And I think, I think that perception is kind of a little bit skewed, especially where Abaka, Gasol and Vliet on expirings here. Um, 
there's nothing that says that they can't be back next year on a one year contract that gives them flexibility in 21, 22. Um, you're right about how they develop players. I mean, it's player development. You, I mean, yeah. that's what I call it. And you, yeah. and you've seen it because how you know you have a strong player development staff is that when you have an injury to Kyle Lowry and you have an injury to Siakam, guys have been able to step in. And that's always been about, that was my little bit of concern when you went out and signed Rhonda Hells Jefferson and you've, you've had some minimum guys that how are those guys going to be, to fit in? Um, you mentioned Terrence Davis, who's been a revelation who went on undrafted. Um, but it shows that Masai can go out and find those players. And the, I think the free agent market kind of bit him a little bit when they did have cap space that one year and they went out and signed DeMar Carroll for four years, I think $60 million yeah. that you yeah. don't have to go out and spend and spend that you can draft, you can trade, you can find, mm-hmm. um, you know, second or un, undrafted players. Yeah. The Raptors week will be, will be interesting. Is there a player out there that they can uh, improve their team upon? Bobby, let's talk about in a little broader sense. The impact on the trade deadline that there is a weak free agent class this summer and the teams who have salary cap space are generally young rebuilding teams who aren't going to necessarily be in the market for DeMar DeRozan, Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka, you know, go down the list of possible unrestricted free agents that teams like Cleveland, Memphis, Atlanta, Charlotte, that might not be where they're where they're headed. How do those factors impact these next few days? Well, I think you already saw um, there's there's been a blueprint in Cleveland already as far as their ability to, to take back money. Um, they did it uh, last year when they took back Brandon Knight. Um, they've done it. They did it right before Christmas when they traded for Dante Exum, and they they got two second round picks, and Exum has another year left. Um, so you're right. I think maybe if you're Atlanta, maybe that's a little bit different because I think there is a priority to put mm-hmm. complimentary yeah. pieces around Trey Young and not, they've been always that team where it's been a dumping ground the last two years. I think that's a little bit different where Cleveland, Cleveland, Charlotte, Memphis, who's, although is there in the eight seed right now, um, if there's a deal out there, they, they take back money into, tw- into 2020, 21. Um, that is something that you are going to have to take a look at. Certainly Phoenix possibly. Um, but you know, the, the hard part is that there's, and we've wrote about it is that there's not many of those bad contracts anymore, right? The, that summer of 2016 group <laughs> either have been uh, bought out and stretched <laughs> and Noah dang, uh, that group, um, Atlanta has two of them. Yes. Parsons and, and Turner. Evan Turner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they who, had, th- they, they had a third in Alan Crabb. <laughs> they had a third in Alan Crabb. Yeah. They, they had become the dumping ground for those. For those deals, uh, right, and so right, but as you're saying, it's it impacts um, the the ability to get a lot done. There's all these everybody wants to get these things off. There's no there's nowhere to put them. There's nowhere to put those those contracts that are left expiring. Just the the expiring contract doesn't have much value. What you're seeing is teams are trying to hold on to space for 2021 for that free agency class. That's impacting Miami, and that takes us into the heat. Miami wants to have cap space in 2021. If there's a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo, potentially, potentially, on the market, you know Pat Riley is imagining a way to get him into a Heat uniform because history has shown they've been a draw. They have the ability uh, to to recruit that kind of player, and so I do think 2021 is on the mind in Miami, and 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 hearing some of the talks and some of the conversations they've had, that has been 
a significant factor. Well, and, and what's happened is, is that Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and the emergence of Bam Adebayo to an all-star has bought them time, right? It's bought them basically kind of 18 months to get you to the summer of uh, of 21. And the Deion Waiters and the James Johnson and the Kelly Olynyk those contracts don't look as bad as they we, once as they once did. Yeah, we thought when when Pat Riley was talking last spring about how close they were, I think everybody was kind of rolling their eyes. And to Riley's credit, the development of you know the, the staff. You talk about player development in Toronto, but certainly Miami has been for a very long time. I think Miami and San Antonio had been a standard there. Uh, there's some others who've done it very well over the last number of years. Toronto has, Portland has, Oklahoma City has. But I think that the idea in Miami that they would be able to turn the corner the way they have with all those bad contracts that they they, re, they rewarded that team that had had that really strong second half of the season. They paid, you know, he said Waiters and James Johnson. They they did the sign and trade for Olenek uh, or signed Olenek outright. I'm trying to remember if that was a sign and trade or just a free agency. Uh, but... Uh, they have found and bringing Jimmy Butler in and his fit and like, you know, and, and a year without Justice Winslow, who we kind of thought was kind of breaking through another player who developed a little slower, but you could see started to show real progress. Um, you know, another player they drafted, Bam Adebayo, who's like, he's like that, like when, when you draft a player late in the lottery who becomes an all-star and you, Kendrick Nunn and, Duncan Robinson, who are undrafted players, Robinson comes in on a two-way um, out of Michigan, and and then none out of the G League after going undrafted. Uh, it's it's a credit to them, but you know they're. I, I think in Miami even this year they're trying to figure out how good they are. Like what what are we? And I think that's been part of their, you know, hesitance or, or just sort of waiting through this to this deadline to figure out. How close are we? What what is the move we should be making? Well, and and especially when you look at the, the standings in Eastern Conference, and we remove Milwaukee, there's little separation from between two and six. So, you know, if you go on if you go on a three game losing streak, you might be two one day, and next the following week you might be in the in the five or six hole. You know, similar to what's kind of going on in Philadelphia right now. Um, so you're right. I think this kind of year is is kind of figuring out who exactly is this team. You know the name that, you know, of course, has always been speculated was about Chris Paul, and and not saying with Miami, but I'm just saying, although Chris Paul is, is playing a, uh, as, as an All Star this year, you know you have to look 18 months from that when he's making 44 million dollars, and that goes for a lot of teams, um, a lot of those diff- those players there. The the Kevin Loves who's making you know 28, 29 million dollars is is having a good year and he's healthy, but that's not to say 18 months from now or two years from now that you're going to get that same t- type of production. Right. And I'm looking at the teams in the East. We're not going to hit them all. Like we're not going to, we're not going to do a two hour podcast here, but I want to hit the big ones. But you mentioned love Bobby and in Cleveland is resigned right now that there's no trade for them between now and Thursday, unless something comes out of nowhere, essentially they will be looking in the off season. And there's always more options for a team to do a, tr- a trade around the draft once we see the draft order, once teams have a sense of what the value of a pick is, and or that second wave when we get into July and a team maybe misses out in free agency and says, okay, we didn't get somebody, let's look at a trade. And I think 
when they re-sign Love, the thought was, well, we'll keep him as a trade asset. I think the league and the style of play and it all looks different. That doesn't mean there's no team who wants him. It means right now they can't, they don't want to just give him away. They want to get some value for him and there's no value out there. They're not getting, they're not getting anything back. So I think they wait on him and then Andre Drummond in Detroit, another player who, if they had a first round pick for him, I think he'd already be moved, Bobby. If somebody had offered a first, New York has had interest. They haven't offered a first. Does New York come with a second or two seconds? And then if they do that, they have to be sort of ready to – now, they could. you could look at it one way. We get a couple months to take a look at him and decide if we want to re-sign him. Or you're trading him with the idea that he's going to opt out of his uh, $29 million? 27, uh, 28, yeah, 28, seven yeah, next year. Yeah, and and then we pay – you know, whatever that is, $90 million, $100 million, $110 whatever that number is. And so uh, I, I think Drummond down the stretch this week will be interesting. Um, New York could still come around. Maybe there's somebody else out there. But I think part of the thought with teams is how much do I want to pay Andre Drummond in free agency? What is he going to cost to re-sign him? And, and if I have cap space and he's going to be a free agent, well, why do I have to trade for him? I'll just – I could go sign him. You know, New York could just go sign them in July if that's what they want to do. Well, you're right. I mean, it's like it's almost like you're leasing a car, right? You're going to try it out for three months, and it depends on how much money you're putting down on the car. Do you want to bring him back? And if you're willing to give up, and uh, I don't, I don't see a scenario if you're going to give up multiple ones. Then yeah, you're going to have to overpay Andre Drummond to come back because the cost that you gave up is significant. Um, that is why when you know when you talked about Atlanta back in. Um, I think that was right around New Year's um, when the, those teams had talked. If there was a deal out there where Atlanta could try him out for three months, see if it fits for Trey Young, even if it cost you a you know a, a late first round pick, it might have been worth the, the the to do because you would have his bird rights. And if you don't, it doesn't work out, and then you, then you cut bait and you let him go. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't see you know you're right. If it, if there was a first out there already, I think probably Detroit would have done it done mm-hmm. something. Yes. Now the question is that is it worth getting an expiring and multiple seconds or do you hold on to him? Cause the other thing that we saw last summer is that, you know, the sign and trade market um, has suddenly kind of come back into, um, you know, to becoming important. Last year, there was 11 players signed and traded uh, D'Angelo Russell, Brooklyn to golden state, uh, Jimmy Butler, of course um, to, to Miami. Um, is there something out there that maybe makes sense where you work with the agent? He comes back. Maybe there's a team that's willing to to take him on and, and give you something back. You look around that Southeast division, Orlando's an interesting team right now. Aaron Gordon's a player they've had some discussions about. Uh, I think it's a tricky one to trade him now with you know the season-ending injuries to uh, Jonathan Isaac, to... Al Farouk Amino. <laughs> Al Farouk Amino. I'm drawing a blank here. Al Farouk Amino. Oh, there's so many. There's been so many injuries down yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, and so those two uh, gone for the season. You lose those two in your front court. Isaac had been on his way to maybe an all defensive team. Really a breakout year for him. He, Steve Clifford, um, really saw he'd really tapped into him and, and he, he'd been a, a really impactful player for them. And so if you're going to move Gordon and you want to try to stick around that playoff chase, which I think they'd like to, uh, you you got to get back a, a significant amount. And, you know, I think for Orlando, if there's, you know, a significant return, I think they would be open to it. But I don't know if that deal's out there for them. And and then you mentioned Atlanta. 
the 25 game suspension to John Collins just got them off to a horrific start. Uh, you know, they played better. He's played very well. They knew he would. They've got to decide about John Collins. Do they want to, do they want to pay him this summer? He, he's up for his extension and that's a conversation that will go on there. If, if you looked at tradable assets in Atlanta, he's really the one that you could, if you wanted to trade him, you could get back something significant for teams have been monitoring him and wondering what Atlanta would do. But I think Atlanta sends my sense right now with Atlanta is that they would at least finish the season with Collins. Um, but I think they'd like to get a center. They'd like to get, they did get down the road in some of those talks on Andre Drummond in the end, didn't do the deal, couldn't come to an agreement, but there's certainly some other centers out in the market who are under 30, who maybe line up a little bit with, you know, the younger age of that team that, um, you know, they'll continue to monitor here between now and Thursday. But but you, you, you said it right earlier, Bobby. They've gone from the team that's looking to just take back contracts, gather up picks to if they do trades now, they want to improve that team. They want to be competitive. Uh, they want to try to be a, a team maybe by next year that's, you know, I don't know if they're in the playoffs, but but at least is is competing a lot. They're, they're a lot closer than they are right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think when you look at Atlanta – um, it's all about having how much of a stomach do you have for losing, right? I mean, you could do it for for one year and probably two years, but I think that's that's why Philadelphia was such the exception <laughs> when they were able to kind of you know go three or four years of um of what the you know the process and and lose sixty plus games here. And you look at their roster; they've got you know they've got that Chandler Parsons expiring contract. They've got Evan Turner as an expiring contract. They have the Brooklyn first, which is right now is a pretty good pick, fifteen or yes. sixteen. Um, they've got all their own, which I'm not saying that they would move because those are in the lottery um, right now. You've got some expirings with Alex Len and Jabari Parker, who's who've been injured. And I think with the Hawks, where what what's hurt them is that. They have so many young players that they're, the veterans there have not been as, you know, big contributors. I mean, Parsons been injured. Um, you know, um, Alan Crabb before he was traded was injured. Evan Turner was in and out of the lineup there. So you're relying on Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter and, and, you know, certainly with Trey and as you mentioned, the John Collins, um, suspension. And now you're kind of walking that fine line. Like, how do we get better? Because we thought that. Atlanta, probably not a playoff team this year, but they, how they ended last year, you yeah. thought, you know, hey, that's a 34, 35 mm-hmm. win team, but not a team that's going to, is sitting, you know, in the bottom of the East right now. Yeah. And I think they're young guys. I think Cam Reddish, I think Cam Reddish is going to be a good player. I think like he's just, he's one of those guys who wait till he's 22, 23 years old. And like, I know people want to draw judgment so quickly. And he had, he had a season at Duke that I know raised concerns with some people. Um, but, but he is a talented, uh, a talented guy. He started to show that. And, uh, DeAndre Hunter is going to be a guy he can sort of plug in all over the floor. And, and Trey has shown he is, he's going to be a perennial, a perennial all-star. And so, uh, that's one where you just like, nobody has patience for this, but you've got to, you've got to. And so, uh, you know, those teams. And then you know, I think another team in the East, Bobby, uh, Brooklyn, it was always going to be a season a little bit where, they're biding their time until they got KD back uh, next season when Kevin Durant returns, and then they lose Kyrie Irving for, I think he's missed 28, 29 games, and now he's going to be out at least for the foreseeable future next week or so, and who knows, maybe they take that right through the All-Star game and 
you know, I think he could essentially miss, he could take three weeks off and only miss five games, something like that. So, uh, we'll, we'll see if he's back again before the, uh, before All-Star with that knee, with that, um, sprained knee that he got, uh, in the game in Washington. Um, but that's a team they've been talking, they've been active. Um, you know, I think they've got to figure out is, is there any, um, you know, is there anybody they can bring in who fits long term with them? They, they, yeah, they would love to be, you know, I think they're securely in the playoffs barring a real fall right now. They, you know, it's, it's a pretty big drop once you get past that eighth seed. They're in that seventh seed, but, uh, I think they're a team that I could see them making a move this week, but only if it's something that makes sense. It's, it's part of what you imagine with Kyrie, with KD, and maybe it balances out their, balances out their team, balances out their rotation. Yeah. I mean, this year is always, you know, about a bridge year. We, we thought that they would be in the back end of the Eastern Conference playoffs, probably between six and eight. Um, they're at seven right now. Remarkably, I think they're five and 17 in their last 22, and they're still sitting at, sitting at seven. I don't know if that's a tribute to how bad the Eastern Conference yeah. is. Um, but, you know, certainly Spencer Dinwiddie has been able to kind of keep them afloat, and I'll have to keep them afloat with, um, with, uh, with Kyrie out, um, you know, for at least the next week here. They've got, um, you know, their own picks out to Atlanta, but they do have that Philadelphia pick that's kind of right at 19 right now based on, uh, the, where the 76ers are. Um, you take, you know, Torian Prince and Karis Levert off the table just because they've signed those rookie extensions is hard, but the, the hard part with Brooklyn and they, but they do have a lot of these, you know, Rodian Couric's, uh, Theo Pinson's mm-hmm. guys that are making 1.6, 1.7. You can maybe cobble together there to get a $4 million player back. Um, the hard part is, is that as I, as I wrote about with them last week is that in order to buy, you got to sell sometimes, yeah. right? And it, in, in, it, Spencer gives you insurance for Kyrie, Joe Harris, you know, your shooter coming off the bench, you know, Levert has struggled. Um, so you're kind of looking at that back end of your roster as far as kind of who you can put together to make a deal. You talk to teams and it's always funny, the most active, who's the most active team. And I'm always like, what is exactly, does that mean if you just call around a lot and check around, does that make you active or whatever? But it's, it's like a, I don't know. It's like maybe senior class in high school, most active future, you know, who's the most likely active future GM. I don't know exactly what it means, but I do think and, and Philly, like Philly will tell you, like they, they're trying to win a championship and they're trying to figure out the right mix. They need more shooting and they lost, you know, in the last two years, having a roster that included JJ Redick and Landry Shamit, you know, they, JJ leaves as a free agent, Shamit goes in the Tobias Harris trade. And, um, you know, that's certainly an element that they would like to add to this team. I think the hard part for them, and I think they acknowledge it and, and you talk to others and, you know, you know what it's like to put deals together. How do they stack together contracts um, and picks to bring back an established player? And you look at their roster and you go, okay, they don't want to trade Al Horford. They brought Al Horford in there because they wanted his size. They're, they're trying to beat Milwaukee. They want to beat the Bucks uh, to win the East, and they need size to do that, and they need Al Horford to do that. And so when you look around their roster, Bobby, how do they stack up the pieces to, to get somebody who could really help them? Well, it's a top-heavy roster. Um, you know, you've got, including Ben Simmons, whose extension starts next year, you've got four guys making more than $25 million, right? And Josh Richardson's on probably a really good contract. He's, he's injured right now. So now you're looking at Mike Scott. You're looking at Zaire Smith. That's guys like that. Uh, Matisse Thibel has been really good. He's not going anywhere. Um, and then you have a bunch of minimum guys. You also have four second-round picks in this year's draft. 
So although their pick goes to Brooklyn, the first round pick goes to Brooklyn, you have you know, two of them are in the 30s, I think 32 and 33 right now. So, you know, does what does Mike Scott and Zaire Smith, so that's seven, can you get a $12 million player? Like, you know, we've talked about Robert Covington, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that, those are the type of trades that you need to think of. It's the singles. It's not about, you know, hey, let's put Tobias Harris on the market and see if we can get Danilo Gallinari. You know, like, so, like, like that doesn't do, do, do anything for you. You've got, you've kind of committed to your roster already. Um, you've got 30 games left. It's about finding the Marco Bellinelli and the Ursan Ilyasovas from two years ago during the buyout market. How do you find those guys in the trade? Um, it's about finding guys, uh, a JJ Reddick, a role guy that can kind of help out. I mean, they miss JJ. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty easy, but that's the, when they, when you go out and get Josh Richardson in trade and you, you sign out, that's the, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a give and take here. Yeah. So NBA trade deadline is Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Bobby Marks and I and our whole Zach Lowe and our whole crew will be in Bristol, covering the deadline right through uh, the week, we are going to tape a Western Conference trade deadline pod. That'll be out, too. Bobby, uh, thanks for jumping in, as always. I'll be seeing plenty of you this week. Thank you. 